Hello, hello. Good afternoon, or should I say evening, for most of our East Coast viewers across the United States. Welcome to your Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am your host, the content machine, Liam Crowley, and I am joined by a man I've been looking forward to hopping on a mic with for a very long time. He is the Ted Lasso of the Wrestling Inc. family, the multi-talented, on-air extraordinaire, Mr. Jack Farmer. Jack, it is a pleasure. Liam, I'm so excited to be here. We're finally getting to chat. We've never actually had the uh, a conversation. We've become good friends over Twitter, but now we get to have an actual conversation on a show. I'm excited to be a part of the Thursday Night Delight, I guess, the show. I don't know. What, what, do we have a name for the show? I like the Thursday Night Delight. It, I think it kind of steals some of John Morrison's flavor <laughs> from back in the day, but still, maybe we nice. can take that over because he's he's Johnny Superstar nowadays. Yeah, I'm I'm happy shamelessly stealing from people, so it's totally fine, I think. <laughs> the Ted Lasso of the wrestling <laughs> podcast, after all. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jack. We have so much fun on Thursdays, as you mentioned. We cover all the top news in the wrestling world, and boy, do we have a pack of three top stories this week. But we're also going to dive outside of the squared circle and cover stuff in the entertainment world. And this week, it is Bruce Wayne week, baby. The Batman is in theaters tomorrow, and I've seen it a little early, so I'll give you my non-spoiler thoughts, of course. And then Jack will also dive into all of his fandom surrounding the Caped Crusader because everyone has a Batman story. But let's kick things off with the news that is most relevant today. Vince McMahon showing up on the Pat McAfee show. Oh my goodness. Vince McMahon uncut, uncensored for 90 straight minutes and also very humble, delivering some answers that made him feel like a genuine human being. The big things that we'll cover here on this podcast, because there was a lot, is the fact that he is inducting The Undertaker into the Hall of Fame this year. He did not comment on AEW purchasing Ring of Honor, even though Pat brought up a question about it. And he officially offered Pat McAfee that match at WrestleMania with an opponent to be determined. So we don't know exactly who he's going to be wrestling. Rumors that it is going to be Vince himself. Maybe it's Austin Theory. We shall see. Jack, I'll go to you first on this major, major event that we got today. Live coverage. It felt like a show. It felt like an episode of Weekly Wrestling TV. What were your instant reactions to Vince McMahon in the flesh, being a human being on the Pat McAfee show? This interview lived up to all the hype. It lived up to all the expectations. This was such an eye-opening look into who Vince McMahon is. It's because we don't see who he really is outside of wrestling very much at all. I, mean, I think the last time was a decade or so ago. You start to forget that he's just a normal guy and that he's not the character you hear about on TV or the person that people tweet about all the time. Uh, he came off so... I'll be honest, in the beginning, especially almost motivational in this thing where he was talking about, I don't think about things. I just think about doing and building and enjoying what you're doing and those kind of things about not listening to negativity and focusing on positivity and all this other stuff. It was a really a different side of Vincent Man than I expected. And it's so interesting because you hear so many negative things about him. How he's this cold hearted businessman and such. But every now and again, a superstar will say he's like a father figure to them. And this was a real glimpse at that father figure that we always hear so much about, but so seldom see. Yeah, that father figure aspect, even as recent as last week with Brock Lesnar saying that Vince feels more like a father while Dana White is more of a boss. 
And that was a comment that kind of took me by surprise because you rarely get to see that side of Vince, as you mentioned. But this time he was just fully much a human being. He even showed up in sneakers. He was still dressed to the nines, don't get me wrong. But the shirt was unbuttoned. There was no tie. He was relaxed. He was having fun with the microphone and all that. He was cursing every now and then. I was a very big fan of getting to see a side of Vince McMahon that, like you said, we rarely ever get to see because when he does do interviews like on Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin, he still is the serious corporate guy. This felt very laid back. And Pat McAfee, man, as an interviewer, I feel like he just elicits that kind of response from his guests. Back-to-back weeks, Brock Lesnar, Vince McMahon, two of the hardest shells to crack, and he somehow cracked them both. What were your thoughts on the Brock Lesnar interview? The Brock Lesnar interview, also great. The thing about, I think, Pat McAfee that sets him apart from the interview standpoint is just... To your point, you know, as far as uh, cracking people, he's so good at breaking down people's walls and letting them feel comfortable and letting them feel like I think like they're just having a chat with a a friend in this case, because both these guys, especially Brock Lesnar, didn't feel like he was having an interview. It felt like he was chatting with his buddy and there happened to be a microphone there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we got so much interesting stuff from him, because he wasn't being asked like who was your favorite wrestler growing up and what made you decide you know it was it was more like him just chatting with his buddy but pat mcafee so smart and so good at being able to say we're having just a regular conversation but i'm gonna find a way to get a nugget of information from you that you'd want from an interview his mcafee's like fun mcafee's entertaining but he's also incredibly good at what he does and I think sometimes we we take for granted that he's actually very good as a broadcaster in addition to being just a delight to watch. Yeah, absolutely. He, he said in his uh, promo with Adam Cole way back in summer of 2020 that he's been in like seven different industries and he's made seven figures in each one. Mm-hmm. And it's clear he's got the talent for everything. Stellar Justin Lopez saying here in the chat and often supporter of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Thank you so much, Stellar. And mm-hmm. they, uh, awesome little profile picture you got there. We'll be touching on that Batman stuff down the line. He says the Vince we saw today was that Vince that Moxley talked about having those Jedi mind tricks. He came off personable and likable. I really like that point from Justin there because I, I see exactly what he's saying. All these people who end up leaving WWE or even just departing or retiring go on these podcasts and they talk about the personal relationships they have with Vince McMahon. I feel like that's the side we kind of got in this interview. He felt very friendly. He felt very welcoming. And I guess I kind of understand why people take comfort in him as a boss and as that father figure that Brock Lesnar has mentioned before. Yeah, because he definitely has that that presence that makes you feel like he is someone who is um, a, a boss, someone who knows what they're doing. But at the same time, yeah, just that friendliness to him. And uh, and again, just even like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I was listening to a lot of these things he was saying in this interview about like not caring about the negatives because a negative doesn't help you. You can be focusing on the positives. And I was thinking, that's really brilliant. And when he's asking about, when McAfee was asking him about what what's it like like do you listen to the people like listen to the the talk and things like that or does it affect you and he was saying i don't i had to learn not to care and it took me a long time to learn not to care and when you see that vulnerability you it makes him easy to become that person that yeah the, the more of a personal relationship but then he has that strength when he talks that like yeah but you're also a leader you're also a mentor i don't know it's it's It was just incredible, an incredible look at this guy. And I literally look at everything I've thought I knew about him over the past few years, and it changes my perspective now that I hear him speak on it. 
Yeah, and I feel like some of those clips, you talk about the motivational, the inspirational. Some of those clips are going to be taken, put on TikTok with some Inception soundtrack behind it. It's going to feel like, oh my God, I'm ready to go into battle. Like Vince McMahon, forget about the negatives. You can only focus on what's good in life. I really like that. Let's discuss, though, the big implication from this podcast. It's not just about him, you know, spilling his life. This wasn't just a, a guest appearance that was done out of randomness. This was done with some WrestleMania implications. And those implications are that Pat McAfee is going to have a match on the showcase of the Immortals against a, an opponent to be determined. All the rumors leading up was that it was going to be Vince McMahon himself. But then other rumors said it would be a smoke and mirrors situation, whether that means cinematic, whether that means having a, someone else replace him at the last minute. I got to ask you, Jack, with Pat McAfee confirmed now for the WrestleMania 38 card, who do you see standing opposite him inside that squared circle? I mean, the, for me, I, I think the safe answer here is Austin Theory. It feels like this would be where Austin Theory tries to step up and do something. That seems to be the way that they're going. And I'd like to see that. I think that that would be the kind of place for someone like Austin Theory to be a showcase, be something that everyone wants to tune into, be something that everyone wants to see. And he could really use that as a launching pad going forward. Uh, but also not be something where he's stuck in a match that he can't win. So would I love to see, like, let's say Austin Theory in a world title match? Sure, but he can't win a world title match just yet. He's got to get built up there first. So I think this is one of those great showcase moments he could have, similar to Damian Priest teaming with Bad Bunny. I think this yeah. could be one of those similar things for him, and then he could have a uh, an opportunity to build off of that. That would be my prediction. It feels like that's the safe bet, but that would also be what I would predict. I'm going to hit you right back with a follow-up question though, because Pat McAfee currently 0-2 in WWE. If he goes against Austin Theory, not that he, sh not that Austin Theory should not win that match. Don't get me wrong, but eventually he's got to get a win, right? Like this is a guy who, I guess it's a celebrity match, but he's still passionate. He's still a part of the team. It's still like a broadcaster stepping inside the squared circle. So I don't know if that's even necessarily a guaranteed win for Austin Theory, but it could have implications afterwards with Vince getting more angry at him. And then maybe we do a, a build-up storyline to SummerSlam. Could you see Pat McAfee winning that match? Absolutely. Pat McAfee is frighteningly good when he's in the ring, considering how little time he's had. His matches in NXT were way better than they had any right to be. I think, in fact... I actually think that if they have a great match, Austin Theory and Pat McAfee, and they really exceed expectations as I think they can, I actually think Austin Theory losing could be better for him in the long run because I think that would increase the tension between him and Vincent Mann. And I've been saying for a while, I personally believe that even though he's a ne'er-do-well right now, Austin Theory is going to be one of the most beloved characters in pro wrestling in the next few years. I think he could be the next John Cena. I think he's going to be that person that is eventually going to be the guy we all love or love to hate because that's how some fans are. But I think that could be the, the turning point where eventually Vince McMahon says, I'm sick of you. And now instead of trying to fight for Vince's approval, he is fighting against Vince McMahon for survival. And that would get the fans behind him, I think. I really like that. He also has a similar build to John Cena in the fact that he just has so much muscle. It looks like he's from like a DC animated show brought to live action. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. You see the shirts he wore in NXT and I'm like, I don't even think you're wearing a size too small. I just don't think anything fits you nowadays. One final question I'll ask you on this topic though. It just came to me. Pat McAfee's two previous matches, not only were they in NXT, they were in NXT during the Thunderdome era. 
So now we're moving from an empty arena full of video screens twice to a arena, arena, mm-hmm. excuse me, a, a stadium, you know, mm-hmm. uh, AT&T Stadium, one of the largest football arenas in the world, possibly having 100,000 fans in attendance. Do you see any nerves for Pat McAfee or is this guy just calm, cool and collected under any kinds of pressure? I think you could take any time he's had in the ring and, and let's say, forget about that in front of the, uh, the, the cam, the, in front of the screens, you could get rid of the time in front of the screens, but just knowing he's on TV, you could even get rid of the fact that he's played in front of all these people or that many people during football games. When you just watch him at events, and I don't know if you've had the chance to see him live at at a show. I got to see him in SmackDown when they came to L.A. recently. That dude feeds off the fans. I don't think nerves are going to be an issue. If I was to say there'd be an issue because of fans, I think it'd be that they overpower him with excitement and energy, and he brings a little too much to the match. But I don't think think he's going to let nerves get to him. I think, if anything, they're just going to fire him up. I agree. He's a former football player. After all, he knows how to play in these big venues. Before we move on to this next story, I did want to highlight a comment. Night one saying, wow, Jack and Liam, the epic wink crossover I've been waiting for. You and me both. Look, I think we're a fine pair here, Jack, and I hope that people respond well to us. I I agree. One, because I'm not as tough as Vincent Mann and the mean comments hurt my feelings, but also (laughs) because this is fun. I'd, I'd love to do more shows with you. Yeah, well, hey, we're only getting started here on this Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We're moving over to the AEW side of things, but also kind of the Ring of Honor side of things. Because Tony Khan opened Dynamite last night, his first live appearance on AEW television since, I believe, the Brody Lee tribute show. He doesn't Mm -hmm. usually make appearances on Dynamite except for that one time he was on Dark. You want the match? You want the match with Omega? You got it. Right. He he now shows up. He takes the mic and he says the name on the contract reads Khan and it's not Nick Khan. It's Tony Khan. Ring of Honor (laughs) is now officially all elite. The tape library is now in possession of AEW, making that inevitable streaming deal they get one day all the more valuable, but even more valuable than that. Ring of Honor possibly being a developmental-esque brand for AEW. Those are the rumors kind of circling right now. Jack, I just want to get get your initial thoughts based off this purchase. Did this take you by surprise? And what do you think this means for the pro wrestling landscape moving forward? This has a ton of implications to it and a ton of things that could be coming with this. I think when I first, I don't know if I, I was necessarily surprised because there was so many, so much rumors circling around the uh, the internet that by the time it happened, it was had already been mentioned as a possible thing to happen. But I think this is great news for everyone involved because Ring of Honor had had seemingly been slowing down. They weren't doing weekly shows there. It seemed like they had a few big shows lined up in the future, but they were scaling back. So this now gives that brand a second life, a second opportunity, whether it is living on a streaming service that they might not have had the opportunity to do, whether it is as bringing them in as some sort of second brand or another brand of any kind, whether it be developmental or otherwise, whether it just gives an opportunity for some of the talent that was there to now be signed and continue what they were doing and having a little bit more closure in what they were doing in Ring of Honor. To me, it's just a win-win all around based on the situations we were in. Of course, we'll see how it plays out. But I think right now, based on where Ring of Honor was last week versus where they are now, this is a positive for everybody. Yeah, and the right here right now, too, we saw it. The first match afterwards was Brian Danielson versus Christopher Daniels. And if anyone was wondering why I was kind of off to the side doing my research, it's because I remembered 
Remember when Tay Conti and Santana Garrett were a match on the buy-in for that AEW rampage when it went head-to-head uh, with SmackDown for a half hour? Everyone was wondering, that's a very specific match. Is there any reason for it? It's because that match was the only time that NXT, when both Tay Conti and Santana Garrett were in NXT, the only time NXT beat AEW head-to-head in that famous 75-1. and So that fact, and then mixed with the Christopher Daniels, Brian Danielson match, I just love how much of a pro wrestling historian Tony Khan is and how like intricate he is with planning out matches. Obviously, this one was explained while the Tay Conti Santana Garrett was a little bit of a a, a dig, I guess, but mm-hmm. such a genius move. And also great to see Christopher Daniels back. I know he had a little spell in TNA, not TNA, Impact for a little bit. Uh, he's currently the interim Defy champion, if yep. I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on Christopher Daniels now kind of officially being back uh, within the AEW roster? Well, this goes one of the reasons why I think it's great that Ring of Honor was purchased by uh, Tony Khan in this case. To your point about him being such a wrestling historian and him caring about those things. I think if this was just purchased by a company that said, we're going to throw it up on a streaming service, their stuff, and then move on. Yeah, that's still good. Cause then people still have access to it. But the fact that they're paying homage to this kind of stuff and, and this match being the first, you know, the first main event from the first ring of honor show. And it means that what you watched mattered. It means that what you invested your time into and caring about these characters and these matches, it still mattered. So if you were a fan of ring of honor from the beginning, and now you find yourself here, this in, it, at the very least is saying, look, it matters that you watched. It matters that you were there. We care about that. We're going to, whether, I don't know what their plan is with Ring of Honor going forward, but at least they're not saying, yeah, yeah, we have that. We're just going to store it on some streaming service, if that makes sense. Uh, as far as Christopher Daniels goes, he is one of the people that I don't think we appreciate enough for how good he is, maybe because he's been around for a long time. And so we just kind of take it for granted that we have a Christopher Daniels uh, floating around out there. But during his time, I guess, away from AEW, I, I think, I don't know if he was still with AEW, but then just taking bookings with Impact and, and things. He's been doing such cool stuff. Now, I've had the opportunity to do like ring announcing with Defy. So I got to see him win the interim Defy championship. And I've been following that closely. But he's been doing great stuff over at Defy. His impact stuff is good. But also, he's just a great wrestler. He just does a great job. I mean, he had a great match with Brian Danielson. Now, I mean, he, he had a match. I don't know if Brian Danielson is capable of having bad matches, so I don't know if that's fair to, to use as an example. But I think this is great to see him having another round with AEW in the ring. Yeah, and I saw some crazy fact, too. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Christopher Daniels, at the time of this purchase now in 2022, is the same age Ric Flair was when WCW got bought in the early 2000s. I could be wrong oh, wow. there, but Christopher Daniels is in his 50s if i'm not mistaken and this guy still moves like a 30 year old cruiserweight i don't i don't know i don't know if that's a true it makes sense to me i don't know what is time i feel like whenever people talk about how old someone was at certain times i'm like really but any case uh yeah he's someone who uh, having the chance to stand next to christopher daniels i know he's not the biggest guy in in the wrestling world but he's a solid dude. Like he too, like he's not, he's not someone who uh, is letting age slow him down. Like he's definitely staying in shape as well. So if he's able to continue going, I want to see him go. I'm someone who, as sometimes people always like, so-and-so should retire. I want to see new people. No, not me. 
I want to see people go forever. I want to see them last as long as they can. I'm the one guy in the arena going Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, just, I think it's cool that he's, he's still out there. Yeah. And in terms of his future within AEW, we don't know whether that means a future on dynamite and rampage, or maybe a future in wherever Ring of Honor gets blossomed within the AEW wrestling cinematic universe that is kind of going on here. In terms of where you see Ring of Honor moving forward within, uh, underneath the AEW banner, I should say, what is your kind of dream scenario for the Honorable Ring, as Matt Hardy would say? I would love to see them... I would love to see them be a bit of an NXT for them, a place where you could have wrestlers with real stakes having matches. I know they have AEW Dark and I know they have uh, Elevation and I don't mean to naysay those, but sometimes it feels like, oh, that's the YouTube show. You don't necessarily need to watch that. There's not a AEW Dark Championship. There's not an AEW Dark Tag Team Championship or anything like that. I think if you have Ring of Honor, it gives wrestlers a chance to have more matches and i'd love to see them have a brand where people can fight for titles fight for tag team titles fight for different things that matter within their realm and and maybe they move from that to to dynamite maybe they maybe people from dynamite move to ring of honor it doesn't have to necessarily be a quote-unquote developmental but just another place for people to have opportunities to work and perform anytime there's more opportunities for work anytime there's more opportunities for people to perform in meaningful matches i'm here for it so i hope that this is a way for them to sort of extend their brand and give people who are talented but haven't had a chance to get tv time a chance to have those matches that matter and have stakes to them and as you say this too, the more I realize how perfect of a fit AEW is for Ring of Honor, because if it is going to be a developmental territory, would that work under a WWE banner? Not exactly, because they contract all of their talent. AEW, on the other hand, you never know who's going to show up. Jay White just had a spell, but he's still a New Japan wrestler, and he's showing up on Impact. And they have so many people that come in for a couple programs. Matt Cardona had a five-week run way back mm-hmm. in the summer of 2020, and he was never under contract. It gives opportunity for Ring of Honor originals and lifers like the Briscoes and Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal to migrate back down to still be a part of the Ring of Honor DNA while also not feeling pressured to sign them. Because we all kind of know, I don't want to call it a problem, but AEW is getting very crowded. And the Mm -hmm. only reason why it's working is because of how many factions there are. When you have groups of people where five to eight people are on screen at once, it allows for people to show up. But then when you have guys who don't have a faction, like a Keith Lee, like a Jay Lethal, kind of like a Christian, even though he's with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, it puts their TV time to the wayside. So the idea of having a ring of honor and having everyone be an independent contractor still, I think kind of might solve AEW's big free agency problem. If you could even say that. Yeah. And it gives them the opportunity to cycle people as well. So you can have, I think one of the beauties of like Christopher Daniels coming back after being gone is it was like, Oh wow, Christopher Daniels is back. This is fresh. I get to see a fresh matchup. I think if he had been on Dynamite every single week for the past six months, it wouldn't have felt the same. It would have been like, oh, yeah, Christopher Daniels is having a match, whatever. But if, you ha- if you're able to have Christopher Daniels on Dynamite for, let's say, six months, and then he goes to Ring of Honor for six months, and then he goes back to Dynamite for six months, then you're keeping things fresh and you're not feeling overexposed. I know a lot of people may say, Jack, what about the brand split in WWE? And I think 
Well, there's truth that you also get more people TV time with that as well. As long as you, I think you're being smart about how the separation of those brands work, if that makes sense. For sure. And when it comes to migrating people and having those kind of fresh matchups, it makes me think of WWE's relationship with Evolve in the late 2010s. Uh, I was fortunate to attend some Evolve shows when they were in Melrose, Massachusetts. And when I saw the Street Profits as Evolve Tag Team Champions, when I saw Fabian Eichner as Evolve Champion, it took me by surprise because I know that those are contracted WWE talent. But it was kind of elevating them by having them perform in smaller arenas, getting this kind of indie hype around them, this kind of punk rock fan base for them, so that when they got to NXT proper, they felt like a big deal. The Street Profits, I think three months after I saw them lose the Evolve Tag Titles, were NXT Tag Champions. And that just goes to show how quickly things can turn. Are there anyone on the AEW roster currently that you could see becoming maybe a Ring of Honor title holder and kind of having that evolve like rise to superstardom? I think there's a lot of teams and, and people that have sort of been just looking for a chance to show what they can do. And I, those are the ones I immediately think of. And what I mean is like proud and powerful Santina, Santina and Ortiz, um, are Santana and Ortiz are two yeah, guys. Not Santina Morella. Santana, WrestleMania. <laughs> Put some respect on Santina's name. No, uh, <laughs> Santana and Ortiz, like I could see them. They are one of the best tag teams going, and but it's just a crowded tag team division to give them a chance to go somewhere, win titles. Like you said, get that punk rock kind of following for them because at those smaller shows, as you know, like with Evolve, it's a different crowd. It's a different vibe. It's a different feel, and you can get a really big groundswell of support from people doing those shows. And I think if you do that and then have them come back to dynamite, now they're not just a team that has been waiting for their chance. They're a team that is already there and at that level. And I think of like a, you mentioned Matt Cardona earlier. I think frankly, if Matt Cardona stayed in AEW, I don't know if it ever would have clicked the way it's clicking now, but now he's like one of the hottest things going in wrestling. And because he literally just embraced taking in that that punk rock small crowd i'm gonna do this in these these kind of places instead of just trying to be on this one big show and i think there's a lot of guys like i said proud and powerful first ones that come to mind as you say that but there's a lot of people that i think could really benefit from being in that kind of situation where you could see see them perform like i said like a christopher daniels when you see him in defy it's a totally different ball game and if you get that kind of groundswell of support very, very, very cool way to see them grow. Uh, Scorpio Sky, I guess, would be a singles guy. I'd like to see do that. Yeah, I like that pick. I, I Like you said, too, they feel like a bigger deal. Like Dolph Ziggler, to me, hasn't felt like a big deal since his Intercontinental title days. That program with Seth Rollins kind of in the pseudo main event because I believe Brock Lesnar was champion during then. Now he mm -hmm. shows up in NXT and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the guy that cashed in money in the bank in 2013 and got one of the loudest pops of all time. Like it mm -hmm. reinvigorates that. So I think... Scorpio Sky could succeed. I look at a guy like Brian Pillman Jr., who has mm. you know, always had all the promise in the world and had that one program with MJF last fall, but still kind of goes to the wayside. And he's kind of in the, not the goofy tag team, but you know, they're a throwback. Yeah. They're having smiles and then they get decimated by Malachi Black. <laughs> I think he could have a Fabian Eichner-like run, Fabian Eichner's uh, Evolve run, which got him to the singles world title. I think he could be big um, down in Ring of Honor if they do end up becoming a developmental territory. We shall see. Stay tuned to Wrestling Inc. for more updates on that one. Final question within this story, though. A lot of people are speculating, you know, could there be an invasion? 
And there is kind of one already going on right now in Impact. And we know storylines can sometimes cross over with Impact and AEW and New Japan and AEW. And now people are saying, what if Cody Rhodes leads that Ring of Honor invasion? I don't know. I'm throwing a lot of scenarios out at you right now, Jack. But do you have any interest in yet another invasion storyline? I love invasion storylines. I love them to death. I'm all for it. I, I want... I always say my favorite thing about pro wrestling, it's the same thing that made me love a lot of the Marvel movies is that I love when you take a bunch of characters from different places, you put them in a jar and you shake them up and then you see what happens when it all settles down. So I would absolutely love a ring of honor invasion. I would love if impact got involved. I would love if new Japan got involved. In fact, before this happened, I was thinking I want to see the elite versus the bullet club versus the, pinnacle versus the inner circle and have those guys but this like the idea of ring of honor and impact versus aew versus new japan is so much bigger and that's what i would want to see i want to see the biggest just mishmash of everyone battling it out i would love to see this that that would if you're if they're able to pull that off not only would it be incredibly entertaining to watch just in a in a bubble on its own but as we talk about throwing back to the beginning of ring of honor and making things kind of right with uh, the way they purchased ring of honor and then kicked things off with that first matchup. I think a lot of people who saw the WCW invasion of WWE and, and got a bad taste in their mouth from that would get a little bit of like a, Oh, this is what a cool invasion can look like. And so I'd love to see that as well. Maybe it's just cause I saw no way home and now I'm all about <laughs> like going back to older things and making them better. I don't know. <laughs> but uh but i think that you could have so much cool stuff that makes the invasion great if it happens well i think you're gonna enjoy dr strange too when that comes out in may that's all i'll say on that i'll that's all I'll have say you on seen that. that one too no no no, no. i oh, just oh. you know we hear uh, we hear things through the grapevine yes. that not everyone does and i always i you know i'm all about maintaining the experience i don't like to hear yes. things myself but you know it also does kind of Help me yeah. navigate these crazy waters. And yeah, like you said, the cinematic universe nature of pro wrestling right now, I think it's got to eventually culminate in some sort of big event show crossing over multiple promotions and a G1 Supercard-like event mixed with AEW's roster get Impact involved as well. I think it's inevitable, and I think that's the stadium show that AEW eventually kick th- kicks things off with because... They got that field down in Jacksonville. It's waiting for them. And all they need is a card that's going to sell out 75,000 fans. I think we might have fantasy booked something there, Jack. I don't know. Tony Cotton, hit us up. Our Twitter handles are right down there below. Yeah, Tony, just hit us up. I'm for sale too. (laughs) (laughs) It could be fun. Well, hey, we'll move on to one final story within the wrestling world. A bit more of a serious story. Triple H's WWE future. A lot of news coming out this week surrounding the game and what is going to happen with him in his immediate coming weeks. One thing we know is he will not be wrestling at WrestleMania this year. It was very much stressed that that would be a horrible idea given the cardiac event he went under in this past fall that required surgery. And he's just been kind of laying low. All he has been spotted with publicly is touring the new construction site of the new WWE headquarters. That's about it. Nothing too crazy. Not making public appearances, not showing up to HQ. Shawn Michaels has been running NXT as we know recently a top corporate executive named Lisette Pineda, who served as the manager of global talent strategy and development for the past two years, was let go from WWE. Uh, and she was often described backstage as Triple H's top executive assistant 
And with her leaving WWE corporate, especially, some have questioned whether this means Triple H will ever even return to WWE. Jack, I want to go to you with this question because we've seen kind of this weird pillaging of Triple H's guys um, within NXT. William Regal, Brian James, Road Dogg, uh, I believe um, Gabe Sapolsky was also let go. Uh, one of my friend's fathers who used to work uh, for uh, NXT was also let go. So many of Triple H's circles uh, have been just kind of slowly disbanded. And now I guess one of his top corporate buddies is now gone as well. What do you think this means for Triple H's future in WWE, whenever that is? Yeah. Well, I guess first and foremost, the as far as the, the heart condition and health, I don't know much about what the actual situation is with the, the health condition, but you always got to put health first, you know? And so if he can't wrestle because of this, or if he can't work because of this, then don't work. Don't wrestle. Obviously, uh, that's that's one of those ones you don't want to mess with. It's not like my finger sore. You know, that's the, the heart is a serious one. So if he doesn't wrestle again, uh, that for me, just as a fan of Triple H is, is heartbreaking because for me, Triple H is one of the all time bests. I know everyone has their own opinions of who goes where, but as an in-ring performer, I put him at number five in my list if i'm just spitballing here i always say that we look at like the attitude era and how great stone cold was how great the rock was for me i don't know if i mean they were great don't get me wrong but they needed that bad guy to go against that the the one that doesn't have the electrifying uh catchphrases and things and he was that perfect villain and then he helped usher in the ruthless aggression era he was so important in the ring and i always say i think hogan's the only guy that he didn't beat that was like a top star during those times as well. Now that when you look back on it, so I, I I'm super bummed if he doesn't wrestle again, but again, health comes first. But uh, as far as, as far as the, the triple H team, so, quote unquote, not being there anymore. I don't want to pretend like I know more than what's really happening over there, but it, it seems like triple H and his guys had a vision and the vision has changed. So if that's the case, then you don't necessarily keep the team that was in there before. If this was like a football team and you're a team, then you're like, hey, we're rebuilding. You don't keep all the same coaching staff and the same assistants and things like that. You say we're, we're rebuilding. We're going to get we're going to get rid of those people and bring in new ones. So from the outside looking in, if this is a rebuild, which when I look at 2.0, that seems like that's what it is. It, from the outside looking in, it doesn't necessarily shock me. Now, I don't know the, the, these people in, individually. I don't know what they're contributing. So this is obviously a very broad strokes comment. I don't know what that, you know, uh, I can't comment to like how big of an impact these people will have, but it doesn't shock me if you're moving on from one thing and you're rebuilding and that's what you do. You, you rebuild. Yeah. And I think it does make sense in terms of the direction NXT 2.0 was going. NXT 1.0, I guess, as we're going to call it, the black and gold era, mm -hmm. seemed like a third brand. This now, once again, feels like developmental. And for WWE's system that they've set up, we've seen so many guys from NXT kind of fail when they go to the main roster. But they were built for NXT, not necessarily for WWE. Now NXT 2.0, it feels like they're building guys for WWE. So rather than budging the main roster vision, they're budging the developmental vision, which as a business, that makes sense. Like I get it. And also too, if we're going to have multiple wrestling promotions going on at once, not everything should feel the same. NXT didn't feel like AEW fully, 
But now that AEW is kind of the only Wednesday night show in town and I see the Undisputed Era main eventing, I'm like, you know what? Maybe they were kind of similar. And so having mm-hmm. different things across the wrestling world, I think is a net positive for fans like us in general. But I want to ask about Triple H's future within WWE. I was mentioning, I filmed the TikTok that I put out on the Wrestling Inc. account earlier today. And I always end with a question. And the question with this one was, where does Triple H go from here? And I see there being three options. Either he never wrestles again and he goes back to WWE corporate. He wrestles again and also maintains his corporate position. Or he just kind of leaves entirely. And this does kind of have some merit because I remember seeing comments not too long ago about how he only wanted to be involved in WWE till like mid sixties, not like Vince, who we all assume will, will be in the chair until his last days. He seems like he wants to actually genuinely retire and he only wants to be an executive for a decade or so. So with that being said, could you see him leaving WWE and also wrestling entirely? Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I, I think that, and I don't know Triple H personally, but I do <laughs> think that, you know, when you work as hard as he does and as long as he does, maybe getting a taste of, oh, this is what sitting at home feels like. This is what being with the kids feels like. This is what not missing dinner feels like. I could imagine someone saying, you know what? This is great. Why am I Why am I beating my head against the wall working when I, I can just be with my family and go to the gym every day and, <laughs> you know, do the things I love? Uh, now I could also see him coming back because I, he clearly enjoys the pro wrestling business. So I could also see him coming back as a fan, as a selfish fan. I hope he gets back in the ring. Cause like I said, I love, I love when people keep on wrestling. I don't want him to get hurt. I don't want him to do something that's not healthy for him. But at the same time, I'm a fan of him. I'd, I'd love to see personally as a fan, him get back in the ring. I would love to see him be involved in the executive side. Cause I think what he was doing with the black and gold brand was awesome, but I could also, you know, this is the worst answer because I'm basically saying it could be any of the three <laughs> options, but I, I, I could also very well see him say, you know what, I've, I've made my impact. I've done what I've done. I'll be remembered forever. I'm good. Yeah. And I, I know you said it's a non-answer, but it also does show that each option has a ton of pros from a personal standpoint, from a professional standpoint, from a fan standpoint. I think we all just want to see Triple H happy at the end of the day. And I know I myself, Jack, everyone with Wrestling Inc. is wishing him a speedy recovery. So we're just hoping he's going to be back to full health soon. And we'll see where he goes from there. Let's switch gears, though. Let's get outside of the squared circle, outside of the world of wrestling, and into the world of Gotham. That's right. The Batman is coming to theaters tomorrow, March 4th. This movie has been a long time in the making. It started as a Ben Affleck directed and starring Vision, a spinoff from Batman v Superman from 2016. Things got messy behind the scenes. Matt Reeves was brought in. Scripts were ripped up. Rewrites were instituted. Robert Pattinson was cast. Filming started. COVID hit. Pattinson got COVID. Reeves got COVID. They finished the movie. They reshot the movie. They delayed it three times. But now it's here. After the first trailer aired in August of 2020, almost two years ago, the Batman has arrived in theaters. I've seen it a little early. Not going to give any spoilers. I'll give my non-spoiler reaction soon. But Jack, I want to go to you with kind of your Batman story. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were covering Boba Fett. I believe with Justin Labar and Raj Gary. Shout out those two. Everyone had a Star Wars story. Everyone's been introduced to the galaxy far, far away at some point in their childhood. What is Jack Farmer's Batman story? 
I, I first want to say, how dare you lord over me the fact that you've gotten to see this movie? Why I got to wait like some peasant to watch it with everybody else. But uh, yeah, my Batman story, I'm going to seem very old here. But as a kid, you know, we got the Michael Keaton Batman VHS and I didn't see it in theaters. I had to wait. We got it as a VHS and I watched that thing so many times. I absolutely loved this thing. And again, this is for only the uh, the older folks, but the VHS had a little Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck cartoon intro that was I love because I love I was a kid. I love cartoons. But now that I look back at it, it was literally them just shilling Batman stuff at you. They were like, call in and buy these Batman <laughs> buttons and T-shirts. Blah, blah, blah. But I was like, hey, they're cartoons. I love them. Uh, and so that always sticks out to me when I think about watching the Batman movie even though that has nothing to do with Batman. I always just remember them being like, hey, you know what would be better than a shirt? A Batman hat. Call this number and get your parents to buy. Uh, but that that movie to me was just so cool. And uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker was great. And that really got me into it. And then, of course, I started watching all the uh, Batman, the animated series, and uh, just kind of went from there. So who is your Batman? You mentioned Keaton. You mentioned the animated series. I know you've seen the Bale movies as well. Yeah. Who is Jack Farmer's Batman? I think the ultimate Batman is the animated Batman. I'm, nice. I'm, I'm team. Anim- yeah, I'm team animated Batman. I was. I feel like of all the for all of Gotham, I feel like that is the true. Uh, the that's how I envision Batman and how I envision Gotham really being. I now, of course, I loved. I love the Michael Keaton Batmans. I loved the. Um, uh, Christian Bale Batman's like who doesn't like the Christian Bale Batman's but uh, I those are the I think the the cartoon is the one that really got me Segway King over here Jack because yeah. you mentioned the fact that the animated series is how you envision Gotham and the Batman directed by Matt Reeves is how I envision Gotham because oh my god this movie non-spoiler review time I know someone in the chat Sarah Malikian shout out uh, who says she literally just got back from the theater Sarah is a big fan of uh, my work uh, with the direct.com. So a little bit of a crossover appeal. We love, we love the wrestling uh, companies crossing over. We also love these entertainment brands crossing over. I love bringing in new fans to wrestling Inc, but non-spoiler review of the Batman. I said it in my tweet. This feels like a graphic novel come to life. Uh, The world feels both futuristic and Victorian era. The characters are encapsulating Uh, the, the casting. They did not miss whatsoever. Pattinson is fantastic. Very much enjoyed him, but Paul Dano, scene stealer, Riddler, so good. Uh, it's not perfect, don't get me wrong. It, it has a slow mentality to it. The movies I compare it to are Prisoners, Zodiac, Seven, mm. those long, slow burn, pushing three-hour detective stories that slowly unravel. When you think they're done, you still got a full act left. So I don't even know if I want to give too many thoughts, because Jack, I know you're yeah. so excited, and I don't want to put your expectations too high, and then they don't meet them, but... Personally, this movie, I said it in the tweet uh, the the day after because I'm still buzzing about it. I was like, that's the movie that invigorates the passion for this kind of content. The same way I felt when Kenny Omega won the world title at uh, Winter is Coming and he hit John Mm -hmm. Moxley and they ran out and they said, you'll get your answers Tuesday night on Impact Wrestling. I was like, yes, that's what I live for. That's how I feel man. So it's it's great to hear that because as you mentioned at the top, there are there was a lot of delays with this movie. There's a lot of things that went wrong that you hear about throughout this and and then refilming and rewriting and all this other stuff. And I would say that kind of stuff happens in, in one of two scenarios. Either the movie is absolutely terrible and they're trying to make it work or 
it's a great movie and they're trying to make it perfect. And it sounds like this is a movie where they nailed everything. They, they, you didn't say it was perfect, but you know what I mean? Like they made it yeah. even better. Um, a lot of people like when this first first announced that Robert Pattinson was going to be the Batman, a lot of people were talking about glittery vampires and, and all this other stuff. And I always felt with Robert Pattinson, it's an actor's job to make you believe that they are the person. It's not my job to figure it out. It's not my job to envision it before it happens. It's his job to make me believe he's Batman. And it sounds like, and again, I haven't seen it yet, but it sounds like Pattinson was able to do that. Yeah, he he embodied the Dark Knight as I think as good as anyone I think can. The one downside, you know it from the trailers too, the alter ego of Bruce Wayne might need a little bit of work. Because, you know, we don't really see, we don't get the Playboy vibe that Christian Bale brought, or even some vibes from Ben Affleck when he's at the gala with Gal Gadot and everything. Um, so he doesn't have a perfect balance, but man, when that cowl goes on, this dude means business. You see it in the action and all the trailers. In terms of uh, hype levels, you know, we got a lot of comic book movies coming out this year. We're in a golden age of these kind of films. Where is the Batman for you in terms of uh, rankings? This one's pretty high up there. I... I'll be honest, my my hype, uh, I'm a little burned on the hype because I was so hyped for Endgame. It delivered, of course, but then I was so hyped for No Way Home. It delivered, of course, but uh, there's been some big hype trains coming through and going into it. I feel like DC's let me down a bit in the movie world, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't pile on quite like everyone else does, but I guess because Marvel has been so great, there's been a, a huge measuring stick. So that said, I don't know if I'm if I was like quite as excited as I was for No Way Home, but I am very excited to see this. I think I'd put it on a scale of one to ten. I'm going to give it like a a seven point five. I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm not at that like ten, but mm-hmm. I do want to see this because it feels like this is going to be a version of the Batman that we haven't seen in a long time. At least it doesn't feel like the we're trying to be Marvel justice league, Batman, if that makes sense. Um, I actually like Ben Affleck as Batman, but I mean, those movies, I guess felt a little bit like they were trying to catch up to Marvel instead of trying to do their own thing. Yeah. I also love Ben Affleck as Batman. I love Ben Affleck as an actor. I got a little, yeah. little poster back there. That's Ben Affleck yeah. fumbling his Dunkin' Donuts. Cause I'm a Boston oh. guy. And if there is <laughs> a picture that encompasses yeah. Boston perfectly, it's Ben Affleck wearing a red sock yeah. shirt, fumbling his Dunkin' Donuts while the paparazzis are in the corner. Yeah, I actually thought he was really I, I thought he fit the bill really well as Batman because he also he like he looks the part. I thought he did a good job. Again, I just felt like I, I felt like those like I said, those movies tried to jump into Avengers movies faster than they should have. Yeah, and he didn't get the amount of spotlight that that character warrants. Like Batman's a main event player and having him play kind of second fiddle or one among an ensemble feels mm-hmm. a little weird and i will say um, obviously pattinson is the lead of this movie it's in the title but uh right. he, he gets full spotlight um and they really go in and what i appreciate the most too is in this age of you know you get you get older you start to know how things work I, I know i sound like an old man and i'm still in college but when you understand that studios interfere because they want a certain thing out of their product they want a return on investment it's why i'm so pro streaming because everyone's already subscribed and you know creative freedom go ahead and do what you want with a movie that's two hours and 55 minutes that they've invested 200 plus million dollars into they need a solid return on that they need characters that are marketable that they can sell toys about and watching this movie i really really appreciated that it looked like they did not cut any corners two hours and 55 minutes is not a friendly runtime there are people that won't see this movie 
because of how long it is. There are a limited amount of time that can show this weekend because of how long it is. There's some scenes in this movie that I wouldn't want a niece or nephew being able to see. There's a reason why when I was younger, my first Batman movie was Batman and Robin and not Batman Begins because my parents said, absolutely not. You don't get Christian Bale in your life. You're stuck with George Clooney for now. Wait till you're <laughs> up age and mature to enjoy that. This Batman movie, though, it's it's an adult movie. It's still PG-13, but it pushes the limits. And it embraces that creative freedom, which I very much appreciated. Seller Justin Lopez sending in our first super chat of the night. Thank you so much, Justin. He said Affleck had the same issue that Andrew Garfield had. They were tremendous in their roles, but were in horrible movies. Are you an amazing Spider-Man fan by any chance, Jack? Yeah, I en- I enjoyed it. I I was always Team Toby, but I didn't hate amazing the amazing spider-man i feel sometimes people get a little too tribal like you can like both it's okay to like both i mean i personally i guess because i toby was my spider-man so i was always team toby but uh, i thought andrew garfield did great walk what's your emotion i need i need to paint a word picture for me for your emotions spider-man no way home when toby walks through that portal Oh my God. I was like, it was like the weirdest, like emotional pop, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, like I wanted to cheer, but I was also like, it's my guy. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> that movie. I don't want to sidetrack too much into the Spider-Man, but no way home. Tell like, that was such a great movie. I've never seen a movie. I would say every generation has their own thing. And even as we talk about Batman, there's the, uh, the people who say Christian Bale or the animated series or the uh, George Clooney's or whatever. But uh, this was like the only movie where it felt like it said like, yeah, every generation has their own, but they all have merit and value. And I, to me, that was one of the coolest things about that movie. I don't mean to sidetrack onto a different, an old movie that everyone's already seen. I just thought that was such a great movie. I, I was, I was like, like that was one of those movies like two days afterwards. Like, man, that was such a good movie. That was so cool. You know? Yeah. No, uh, I mean, when, when I get a little tug on some passion, I got to reel that in. I got to I got to yeah. hear the full story. So I'm OK yeah. with sidetracking a little bit. Yeah. And then like, oh, I, I guess I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I guess it's not streaming yet. So I, I don't want to give away spoilers to that movie. But it just it felt so because I, I liked all the Spider-Man movies. I'm, I'm pretty I like movies. I'll be honest. I'm pretty easy going when it comes <laughs> to movies. But uh, like I said, just that like every every generation has value in what it provides and whether you, whether you're a Toby guy an Andrew guy uh, or whatever you are finding your, like they all have their value. They all contributed something. They were all different in their own ways, but all great in their own ways. And I love the way in the movie, Toby felt a little bit like the, the father figure of the Spider-Man and uh, you know, the um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the current one's name. Uh, uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Yes. Mm-hmm. I always want to say Hiddleston, but Tom Holland <laughs> uh, is the um, like definitely felt like the kid. And you felt like, yeah, like, it was just such a cool way to see them act together. I, I was totally like a wreck after that movie, <laughs> but in like the best possible way. I was like, it was so, it was so perfect. <laughs> I, I love hearing those kind of experiences and I'm excited to see what that experience is for you. Like after the Batman night one brings up a fun uh, comment here. DC has done something unique by having movies set outside of the DCEU. Let's see them explore many different film ideas without certain continuity or content restrictions. I'll give you a little wrestling comparison here. This feels very similar to like when a guy, as we mentioned, Matt Cardona does his indie scene and he gets full spotlight. He is the main event. He is that big fish in a small pond while going to AEW or going to the justice league. You're one 
of many. Are there any DC characters you're a fan of that you'd like to see get this kind of Batman treatment where they're outside of their big cinematic universe and really get to eat on their own? You know, I thought Cyborg could have done a little bit more on his own. I felt like he could have been the DC's version of Iron Man, where I know it seems weird to say it now, but before Iron Man, the movie came out, Iron Man wasn't a household name. And so I think he could have been someone that if you started with a an origin story for him or or something on the side for him so people could get to know who he is, I think he could have had a lot bigger impact in, in the movies. And I still think you could make a, a movie for that character as well, but I think he's someone that they could shine a light on. That could I be don't, great. Yeah. I don't think they have one lined up for him, do they? They don't at the moment. Ray Fisher's in some weird stuff with yeah. Warner Brothers right now. I don't know if you've seen the whole Joss Whedon yeah. controversy, but who knows? That's a fun character, and I loved his portrayal, especially in Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. There's definitely mm-hmm. more to go with that character. And in terms of Robert Pattinson's Batman, I think we're just getting started. Uh, before we get out of here, Jack, when you see this movie, walk me through. You're walking in the theater. You go into the concession stand. What do you order? way way too much so i (laughs) i I always get a a soda and a popcorn um because i feel like that's just mandatory you're supposed to get those Mm -hmm. but then i always get i have a bad sweet tooth so like i i always look at the candy that's there and different things will get me sometimes it's weird like raisinets i'll never eat a raisinette outside of a movie theater but for some reason at a a movie theater (laughs) i'll get them like if you were to say like hey i have some raisinets you want some right now I'd be like nah that's weird but then i'm at a movie too. Like, okay raisinets sound good uh but raisinets i like the um the crunch little crunch bunch of crunch it, bunch of crunch that's it yeah yes, or sir. and i i like the um i think peanut butter m&ms so i i, I i'm a monster i eat like a <laughs> i eat like it's my last meal at the movies i cannot believe raisins are among your just motley crew of snacks but i i love it because it's unique i'm i'm a simple guy large popcorn large soda although when i go to that soda machine you know we get a little little uh diet coke we get a little sprite we get a little fanta we mix it all up and then people say you know you're not 12 anymore be an adult (laughs) and get a vitamin water and i say no this is my escape the movie theaters are where i'm a kid again jack farmer thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the wrestling inc podcast your socials right down there below at Mm -hmm. real jack farmer i know you're always on these wrestling inc podcasts but you also do so much stuff outside of wrestling Inc. anything you want to shout out that you got going up right now yeah so i do a show called the evolution of movies where we take a movie and we review it every single uh week it comes out so we we call it evolution of movies because we always do one year after the last movie we watched so we started in 1980 went to 1981 1982 i believe we just released 1986 which is a review of the goonies which is really fun uh i believe i have you penciled in by the way for a few years down the road once we yes, get there do. But um, and we'll 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 tease. That's a tease for right now. We'll talk about that. But um, also, I do the Mac Mania show on Spotify and the Ringer, where we talk about all things wrestling. Of course, I'm on Wrestling Inc. Monday Night Raw after show, and uh, yeah, I do Draped in Gold. It's a show where we talk about NXT and all things NXT UK, NXT. I talk a lot about wrestling. I do a lot of wrestling talk. (laughs) 
We love it. Support Jack yeah. on all socials. Uh, thank you all so much. You can find me at Liam T. Crowley. It's right down there below. And make sure you follow at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. Daily news updates coming your way, as well as highlights from the Wrestling Inc. Daily. Shout out Nick Hausman. This Wrestling Inc. podcast will be returning tomorrow with an after show of SmackDown with a little bit of a different crew, but still that same positive energy. We will see you right back here next Thursday for more Thursday Night Wrestling Inc. But until then, take care. We'll see you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.